morning, everyone. You have been sitting a long time. I'd like to invite you just to stretch or stand up or tell somebody it's great to be here and, uh, or some other positive thing. All right. Five, four, three, two, one, down you go. So this is on. Well, again, good morning, everyone. It's great to be here. Um, aren't you glad to be a part of the family of God here at TCF? Amen. Well, I want to start with a great verse. Um, Let us not forsake our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another, and all the more as we see the day drawing near. So this morning I want to encourage you. Um, I'm not going to preach so much as just encourage and exhort and hopefully equip you in the area further in the area of evangelism. I hope that you all get something out of this message, something you can use. And so the title of the message is Maintaining an Evangelism Mindset. How many of you have a little trouble uh, maintaining your evangelism mindset? Um, we, We tend to go in fits and starts, don't we? We get inspired and then we we. We try to do evangelism, uh, but then things distract us, and uh, we move away from it, and then we come back to it. So I want to try to give us some tools today to maintain that evangelism mindset. Here are the goals for today. First of all, I want to remind us of our call to evangelize. Secondly, remind us of our recent efforts as a church to evangelize. Third, and this is really really what's on my heart, is to look at how to maintain an evangelistic mindset. And then fourth, give some specific suggestions to maintain that daily focus. So let's look at a couple of scriptures to uh, prime the pump here. Think of Matthew 5, 18 and 19, where Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And then also in Mark, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And then Paul The Apostle Paul said to Timothy, but you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. I'm so blessed that Brian and Elizabeth can be here today because, Brian, I've always seen you as an evangelist. I've always seen you as someone ready to share the good news of Christ in some way. And so may we drink in some of that from you. But I'm especially captivated by this phrase, fishers of men. Do you think of yourself that way? Do you get up in the morning and say to yourself, oh, it's a great day. I am a fisher of men. 
I don't usually get up with that, that mindset, but I would like you to consider uh, adopting that as a huge, if not primary, part of your identity. That just as Jesus spoke these words to these two men, that he is speaking them to us by his Holy Spirit. Let's look at some of the uh, benefits of doing evangelism. First of all, um, we avoid what has been called an easy believism. Um, that's where we enjoy all the benefits of being a Christian, but we don't take on the responsibilities. And when that happens, we feel a little bit guilty and uh, like we're not living up to our, uh, our responsibilities. The second one is we know we're being obedient to Christ and experience a more intimate relationship with him. Let's look at um, John 14, 21. I'll read that to you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will disclose myself to him. So I think as we practice evangelism, as we do our best, we're going to experience more of the presence of the Lord as well as uh, miracles, which we'll see in the next verse. Acts 4, 29 through 31. As we try to evangelize, as we make consistent efforts, we also experience an increased boldness because we see things happen. We see the Lord do things, don't we, Gordon? And uh, in Acts 4.29, we read where the apostles prayed for this. Um, Peter, let's see, who was it? Peter uh, and John had just been released from prison and they meet with the uh, other disciples, and what do they pray for? They say, and now, Lord, take note of their threats, and grant us thy bondservants that we may speak your word with all confidence or boldness, while you extend your hand to heal, and signs and wonders take place through the name of thy holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. Randy uh, Harrison, when he was here last year, told the story of a family who uh, was out witnessing door to door, and uh, they came to a particular home, and they asked the, the unbelieving family if they had any needs, and the family said, yes, we have two. Um, the man, my, my husband, has been out of work for a few years, he desperately needs a job, and I think it was the woman whose feet were giving her a lot of trouble, a lot of pain, and so they prayed for this family, and uh, the next Sunday, they were in church uh, and received the Lord because uh, her feet had been healed, and he had gotten a job. And so as we evangelize, we, we grow in our boldness. We see the Lord move. And then, fourth, there's a deep, deep deposit of joy. A deep deposit of joy. Let's look at some of these, some of these verses in uh, 1 John 
chapter 1, we read this. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write so that our joy may be made complete. And then in 3 John, he says this, I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in the truth. I want to propose the, the idea that there may be no greater joy than um, evangelizing and discipling and seeing a person's life turned around, seeing God use you to make that happen, and then to know that that person is walking in the truth. Here are some effects of not doing evangelism. We have an underlying sense of guilt uh, and insecurity about our Christian walk. How many of you have, have, had, have felt that guilt at times and you've thought, am I really the real deal? I'm not, I'm not doing well in this area. Um, and there's this, this lingering guilt. Secondly, uh, the supernatural power and presence of God is less evident. There's a decreased sense of joy and a decreased sense of love for the lost. We become part of a Christian bubble, don't we? Where all our contacts are, are fellow believers. And uh, we, we sense that that's not good. And yet, there we are. And then our church and missions calling won't advance if we don't evangelize. If we don't rely on the Holy Spirit to help us uh, grow in this area, we don't advance, and obviously we also grieve the heart of God. There's a growing emphasis, though, here at TCF, which I'm really grateful for. Let me take you back over the last two decades here at TCF and look at some of the things we've done. Um, there have been some commendable efforts here. I don't know if you realize it but, uh, or remember, but we did the Good Samaritan um, medical van for about 10 years. Uh, Dave and, and Spencer kind of led the charge there, and TCF was actually the first church site to have the medical van, and part of the package there was doing our best to evangelize. So that's something I think we can be proud of. And then the Good News Club, oh my gosh, 10 years at least, to, and even ongoing now, uh, that's a wonderful, wonderful ministry. And um, also VBS, which we're doing again uh, starting tomorrow. Uh, Bill thought it was probably around 15 years, 12 to 15 years that we've done that work. So a lot to be thankful for. But in February of 2017, we had a training come into the church, didn't we? How many of you attended that training? I was guessing there were maybe, maybe 25 to 30 of us, 35. Uh, and uh, it was a wonderful training called No Place Left. And I taught a message on that. We're going to review a little bit of it this morning. But... Um, and then in the fall of, this, of last year, the elders agreed 
that the Holy Spirit is re-emphasizing evangelism here at TCF. We want um, this to be a new chapter where uh, we take on evangelism as a burden and as a goal in our hearts from here until the Lord comes. Not just, you know, a year or two, but we, we really make a, a strong effort to uh, return to evangelism. TCF was forged in the fires of evangelism. Do you remember uh, back in the beginning how Brookside Baptist believers and others went out on the Restless River, went out on Peoria and witnessed, and that was a big part of how TCF was born. So here are a few things we're doing currently. We're going to preach more messages on evangelism. We're going to, we have, in fact, rebooted the Evangelism Council and asked them to keep us focused on, uh, on evangelism. And then we're going to teach a little bit the no left, uh, no place left curriculum. So let's take a look at that. This was the uh, sermon back in the fall that I preached where we began to talk about the No Place Left curriculum. So No Place Left was, is a movement based on Romans 15.23. That's a verse where Paul is, is talking to the Romans or writing to the Romans, and he says, um, I hope that I can come to you. I want to do some traveling because there's no place left in this region where the gospel hasn't been heard. And uh, they call people who are receptive to the gospel a person of peace. And so we're looking, as we uh, cast seed out there about the Lord, we're looking for a person of peace. And they use Mark 4, verses 26 through 29, to describe how the kingdom grows. I want to turn there uh, and look at that or read that to you. This is a parable of the growing seed. Jesus was saying, The kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil and goes to bed at night and gets up by day, and the seed sprouts up and grows. How? He himself does not know. The soil produces crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. But when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. It, I like that verse because it almost sounds as if we just cast seed and the Lord does the rest. It's almost, you know, he says, you, you don't know how it works, but you just keep casting seed like that faithful farmer. So here are some key concepts. Um, I'm just going to kind of quickly summarize again this curriculum, No Place Left. So the first is to be observant of people. Show genuine interest in some way. Um, secondly, offer to pray with them and for them for a need they have. If they seem to be open, give them a 30-second testimony of what Jesus has done in your life. And if they're still open, share the gospel with them, but try to do it in one minute or less. And of course, in the training, they train us how to do that. Get their phone number and follow up and then develop a targeted evangelistic 
prayer map. Let's, let's take each one of these uh, at a time. First, observe and show genuine interest, affirm in some way. Paul, in uh, Acts 17.22, said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. So Paul was observing all the idols in, Anthem, in uh, Athens. And um, so he affirmed that they had a spiritual hunger, that they, uh, that they were religious. So how does that translate today? Well, you might say to your barber or a stylist, uh, how, many, how many haircuts do you give a day? And they'll tell you and, and you'll say, wow, that's a lot. I really respect somebody who works that hard. Um, you might even say, what are you, what are you working for? What, do you, you know, what motivates you to work so hard? And you learn about the person. Um, showing genuine interest is really a biblical concept, isn't it? Um, I want to just highlight this by looking at Philippians 2 where it says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Um, It strikes me that people who show genuine interest ask questions rather than talk about themselves. Have you ever noticed that? If somebody asks you about your life, how easy it is to talk to them and tell them about what's going on. And so we have to become good at asking questions. Jesus asked a lot of questions, didn't he, in his ministry. I have a client who's a fantastic salesman, and we were talking about how important questions are, and uh, he said that he has learned the art of asking questions with one word, and I said, really? How do you do that? And he said, well, um, I'll show you. He said, you just, you just make up some dialogue with me, and I'll show you how I do it. So I, so I took him up on that, and I thought, this is really interesting. So I leaned forward in my chair and I said, Steve, I'm really concerned about you. And so he he got a concerned face and he said, concerned? And I said, yes, uh, I got an email from your wife saying that she's leaving you. And he looked shocked and he said, leaving? (laughs) I said, yes, she's bought a ticket uh, and she's going to go, uh, uh, go to Paris and rent a villa. And again, he looked surprised, and he said, Paris? And then I said, yes, and she told me she's going to spend all your money. And then he looked scared, and he said, all? Now, when he wants to mess with me, he goes into that when we're doing actual counseling. Um, it's kind of frustrating. <laughs> but we can show genuine interest in people, can't we? Not just play a game, but show genuine interest and uh, affirm something 
about them. So then we want to offer to pray for them. Um, and uh, this isn't just, I'll pray for you, but this is, uh, could I pray with you about something? So here's an example of what, what you could say. Is say, before you go, I want you to know that I'm uh, a follower of Jesus. Uh, is there anything I can pray with you about? Um, is there anything where you need a touch from God? And about half the people will take you up on that. And about half will say, no, I'm good. And uh, we, had a, we had a funny experience during this training. I've told you before, but uh, it's so funny that I want to tell it again, where Joel was out in, with, in, with a neighbor of Debbie's over here off of Lewis. And I think his name was Tom. And Tom was in that group who said, no, I'm good. And so Joel said, well... If you could have any miracle in your life, is there some miracle that I could pray for? And Tom thought for a minute and said, yes, there is a miracle. And that would be that you would get off my lawn. And, and you know, Joel is so positive, you know, he just laughed and he said, okay, Tom, we'll see you. We'll come back, you know, another time. But, um, yeah, with those who turn you down, the follow-up question from this training is, well, a lot of people need a miracle. Is there any miracle that I could pray for? And then do it. Pray for, what I like to do is pray for the next month for that, that need so that when I run into them again, I can say, how's it going? And express genuine care. Some helpful phrases are, I believe God can do anything. And another one is, Everyone I know is fighting some kind of great battle. Um, what's your battle? Or is, is there a loved one who has a battle that I can pray for? So just a beautiful approach based on servanthood rather than salesmanship. And then if there's a green light, you can give your 30-minute testimony, uh, 30, sorry, 30-second testimony. Um, <laughs> For example, mine might be something like, I was raised in a great family, a lot of love, plenty of money, I had everything. And yet inside, I was still very sad, I felt no purpose, and very empty. And I, honestly, I felt like a hypocrite. Uh, because even if I did something good, it was so that I would feel good about myself. Uh, but then I had some friends tell me about Jesus, and when I received Christ and received his forgiveness, everything changed. And since that day, I've had real joy and real purpose. So see, that's a 30-second or so quick testimony. Um, and then there was this concept in there of developing a targeted prayer map where you would actually write down who you're praying for in a targeted way to come to the Lord. And you can see an example of that there. So here's a summary. Targeted prayer for the people in your map. Genuine interest and affirm them in some way. Offer to pray with them and continue to pray. Give a 30-second testimony, a one-minute gospel presentation if you can. 
and get their number, invite them to church, or to study the Word with you. So how many of you could see this working in, uh, as being a, something you could use realistically in your life? Something of value there that you could use. Good. About half of you. Um, all right. Well, now I want to go on to what I really want to talk about. And uh, this will be quite short, but I want to talk about maintaining an evangelism mindset. Because I think we suffer from two problems. One is we, we don't get up in the morning and sort of put on our identity in Christ. Many of us don't. Some of us do, but many of us don't get up in the morning and actively put on who we are in Christ. And the second problem is, is we, we don't have a sense of reporting for duty, that we're reporting for duty each morning. Uh, not only are we recognizing who we are, but we recognize we have a job to do. So how do we do that? Well, first of all, I'd like to ask you to find a way to remember daily who you are. In 2 Corinthians 14 through 16, we read about the fact we're called the aroma of Christ. Isn't that a beautiful, a beautiful phrase? And then in 5, 18 through 20, we're called an ambassador of Christ. And then in Acts 1, 8, you shall be my witnesses after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And that's not all. In, in 2 Corinthians 3, we read that we are adequate ministers of a new covenant. Um, not that comes from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. We already read Matthew 5 about being a fisher of men. And in 1 Peter 2, 9... What, yes, Chuck? Did I say... Oh, you're right. Thank you. Matthew 4, 19. Fisher of men. And then in 1 Peter 2.9, we're told that we are a royal priesthood or a royal priest, a holy nation or possession of the living God. So, first of all, we want to um, remember who we are. We're not just Joe Schmo going through life. We're not just, uh, not just a sinner saved by grace. We are much more than that. But if we, if we don't put that on mentally in the morning, we're going to go through life like Joe Schmo. Um, we're not going to be convinced that we have a whole lot to offer often. So it's important that we put on this identity that um, we are ambassadors, that we're fishers of men, and, and so forth. The other piece of this is, a, as I said, I think is reporting for duty every day. And so here are some scriptures that talk about that. Luke 9, 23, take up your cross daily. John 15, 16, I chose you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Let that sink in. You did not choose me, but I chose you. 
that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And then Ephesians 5, 14 through 16. Wake up, awake from the dead. I better read this one because uh, this one is, is very, very central to this. Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. And then this line, making the most of the time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I went to uh, Bruce Clutter's dad's funeral, and uh, some of us were there. I don't know how it struck the rest of you, but... Uh, Les Clutter, Bruce's dad, had a list of good deeds a mile long. This man really um, served the community in, in countless ways that were touched upon. And as I was sitting there, you know, in a funeral, the, as Jim says, the veil between heaven and earth is pretty thin. And, and uh, there's this sense that uh, reality is there. And I remember being overwhelmed by all the things Les Clutter was doing. And I began to ask myself, Jim, what are you doing? And uh, this sense came to me, or the phrase, you know, seize the day. Make the most of the time. Um, and as I was sort of marinating in those thoughts, um, the minister started to talk about C.S. Lewis and how C.S. Lewis said, we have been dropped behind enemy lines. And now we are living in enemy-occupied territory. And that was powerful for me, uh, this idea that I need to make the most of the time. Um, I need to have that mindset. 2 Timothy 4.5, do the work of an evangelist. Luke 2.49, where Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. And then 2 Timothy 2.4, um, about a soldier not getting entangled in civilian affairs. Um, I guess I want to read, read that one too. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No, so, no soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. That phrase, no soldier in active service, caught my attention. I want to be that soldier who is in active service. I want to be that church who is in active service, that when the Lord comes, he finds us in active service. Can I get an amen about that? We want to be in active service. We want to be an active church who has reported for duty with the Lord's priorities. 
Um, okay, so here are some specific suggestions. Well, I think, I didn't know how to say this well, but start your day with prayer, check in in the middle of the day with prayer, and uh, end your day with prayer. Um, I have a group of men who are trying to overcome sex addiction, and they are using their phones in a very exciting way where they, they put on their timer for, for one or two hours, whatever they decide. And every, let's say it's two hours, every two hours their phone, their alarm goes off and they hit uh, restart, but then they check, their, they check themselves. Uh, how am I, where, where am I right now? Am I focused on recovery? Am I focused on the Lord? Uh, am I feeling anything? Am I putting myself at risk? We could do the same in terms of evangelism, couldn't we? We could put our phones on. If we need to retrain ourselves, we could put our timers on for one, two, or three hours. And every time the alarm goes off, hit restart and ask yourself, where, where am I? Where's my identity right now? Am I looking for opportunities? Am I seeing myself as a fisher of men, as an adequate minister of the gospel, as an ambassador for Christ? Or am I just going through life? And it'd be just a nice way to check on yourself. Uh, the second one is post on your mirror who you are and your job to do. Or put it in your Bible or some on the dash of your car. You might have a sticky note. But here's what I have in mind is, is something like this. A list of who you are and uh, a list of of ideas or from the scriptures, phrases from the scriptures about reporting for duty. Wouldn't that be helpful to have it on your mirror or in your car or in your Bible, someplace where you will see it every day? And then, uh, excuse me, and then third, see interruptions as divine opportunities. How many of you have your list for the day and you're going through your list, and then somebody interrupts you. And, uh, it, and you're, you're fighting being mad, you're fighting being irritated, because, uh, yes, I want to pay attention to you a little bit, but I really want to get back to what my, my list is. Anybody like that other than me? And so, but if you think about the life of Jesus, he was constantly interrupted, wasn't he? And he would turn those interruptions into divine appointments. So I think we've got to retool our thinking about interruptions and, uh, and kind of open ourselves up to see where it will go. You know, I've heard it said that Americans, as Americans, we want to contain everything. We want to control everything. We want to... Uh, kind of contain it and move it aside, whereas other, other cultures in the world, they have much more of an open mindset of, let's see where this will go. Uh, I think that's a bit of what we need to do to be successful evangelists. And then I would also say, get a long piece of paper, and as you offer to pray for people, start putting their first name and the date so you can pray for them 
for whatever period of time you decide. And uh, my prayer is that our, our evangelism prayer lists will end up being longer than our, our lists for healing. I would bet most of our lists for healing, Lord, please heal this person, please heal that person, are our longest devotional lists. But I would like to see uh, evangelism, you know, who we're praying for to become our longest list. We're almost done. So here's a good closing verse. And the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with what? Perseverance. Perseverance. Can we hold this uh, mindset fast? And can we pursue this uh, task that the Lord has for us with perseverance? We've got to get hold of who we are and what our job is each day. Well, I want to uh, pray over some of these things, and then pray once more for the kids who will be coming to VBS. We are doing all, a lot of what I'm talking about starting tomorrow. And so, would you pray with me? If, if you would like to stand kind of as a, a uh, statement to the heavenlies that you want to take on this and maintain this evangelistic mindset, please feel free to stand or to reach your hands out to God. So, Father, we do pray and continue to pray over this renewed emphasis you are highlighting on evangelism. Father, we pray that you would give us a new chapter where we would not only be excited about evangelism, but we would maintain that mindset that we would incorporate into our identity who you say that we are, um, that we wouldn't see ourselves as just um, ordinary. Uh, we know we are ordinary in, in, in some ways, but in terms of who we are in you, Lord, we are far from ordinary. So help our thinking, Father. Help us to adopt this identity that we've talked about today. Give us an awareness, Lord, that we are in it together as a church, that it isn't just an individual thing, but we are marching together with a unified vision. And we thank you for that, Lord, that we're doing evangelism as a body. Father, we ask you to change our mindset about interruptions. Help us to, uh, when we are interrupted, and our first thought might be, uh, oh darn, I want to get back to my own stuff, that the second thought would be, maybe this is a divine opportunity. I need to look for your hand in this moment and help us to be bold. Thank you for prayer, Lord, that prayer is the engine. Give us a, a deeper uh, commitment and belief that prayer is the engine of everything. 
of everything, Lord. And we do pray that we would be able to put on each day an on-duty, an active service mindset. Help us to post these scriptures, uh, these ideas, somewhere where we will see them each day. And now, Lord, once again, as a body, we pray for all the children who will be coming into this building tomorrow. We pray for a powerful anointing of your Holy Spirit, Lord. We pray that uh, they would feel you as they come in the doors and there would be an excitement. I pray for those kids who think as they come through the doors, I really don't want to be here. I want to be somewhere else. I pray that very quickly that that notion would be gone. I pray that you would give um, all the crew leaders favor with the kids, that they would just be thrilled with the crew leader that they have, and you would help each crew leader to explain the gospel with a confidence that I am an adequate uh, minister of the new covenant. I am an ambassador for Christ. I am a fisher of men. We pray for a record number of children to be saved. And as Bill has already prayed, that it would have a ripple effect in their families. Lord, we just love you. We praise you. We thank you for this word. We thank you for your word. And uh, we give you all the glory now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jim. We're going to have a chance to uh, put real action to some of the things we heard, even this week. Amen. I want to remind you, uh, we still need uh, several people to hang around after and help us move chairs and uh, reconfigure the auditorium for tomorrow's uh, start of the VBS. So I encourage you, if you're able to stay for just a few minutes, it will be a big help. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for your word. We're grateful for the clarity of your word. We're grateful for these exhortations from our brother this morning from your word. Help us to uh, take these to heart. Help it to uh, make a change in our hearts, Father. Help us, Heavenly Father, to take on this evangelism mindset that that would be the hallmark of TCF people, Father. We're grateful, Father, for your calling on this church, and we're grateful, Father, for these regular reminders to be who we are in Christ. And we thank you now for this time, Father, and ask you to bless us as we are dismissed. In Jesus' name, amen. I have a um, little chart up here that kind of shows what to do with the auditorium. But in general, let me just give some specifics. Um, This front row right here of these two groups need to disappear because that's where our preschool chairs will go. And and the back row over there will be pushed up against because that will be the parent section. We'll need two rows back there. And um, we need at least a couple of people that will go upstairs. And um, Jody will be up there with some instructions, bringing down some preschool chairs and some other things. Also, we're going to need chairs um, to fill up the whole area by the front doors. That will be for all of the parents who are filling out registration forms. 
Um, any extra chairs that we need to get rid of, we'll put behind the curtains. Um, I think that's pretty much it. Oh, yeah, and each row gets seven chairs. Get rid of that front row. Yes, we get rid of this front row for our preschool kids' chairs. And each row gets seven chairs. So any extras we'll put behind the curtains. And here's the chart up here. Or you can ask me if you're not quite sure what to do. Thank you for your help.